On that note, who's ready for the word today? All right. I love it. We are in a series right now, and that series is called Walk the Walk. Just a brief summary of the series. We are breaking down in rather great detail the epistle of James. James was the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know this from Scripture. We also know that when Christ walked the earth, that James and other siblings of Jesus did not believe in him yet as the Messiah. But after the death and resurrection, many went on to believe in him later. James was one of those. James actually became a very prominent leader in the New Testament church. In fact, he was an apostle over the area of Jerusalem. In James's epistle, he uh, kind of addresses what I like to call stale or bland Christianity. It's kind of a challenge. It's a stirring, if you will, to people to say, hey, let's, let's take an inward look first before we try to do outward work. Let's make sure that we are walking the walk and not just talking the talk. And so just keep in mind that when James writes this letter, he's writing to believers. And in most of these cases, these believers are, are Jewish believers So what that means is that their understanding of the principles and precepts that James is talking about run deep. They're not new concepts to them like they were many of the Gentiles in the New Testament church. These are Jewish believers that are well familiar with things like anger and wrath and impatience and hypocrisy. Things that God's been trying to root out of his people for centuries, right? But James is coming along and saying, hey, hey. It's time for a checkup because I'm seeing some signs that these things might be getting lax. And if they're lax and we're not going to be the right representation of Christ in the world around us. People in the world deserve to come in contact with a vibrant and authentic expression of Christianity. Would you agree with me on that? It always grieves my spirit when people are wounded or hurt by the church or by Christianity. And that wound or that hurt may have came by way of a bad representation of who Christ calls us to be. And God can turn those things around. I've seen it many times. Praise God. Uh, but he, we're here today to be challenged. We're here today to look at you know, this series and walk the walk and say, okay, what are things that James helps us identify? These, are, these things are bad fruit in our lives. It's, it's, it's toxic. It's, it's not uh, healthy. It'll produce nothing good, but it'll produce things bad. It's not neutral. It's, it's in the direction we don't want to go. Bad fruit. We've talked about things like hypocrisy. We've talked about anger. We've talked about impatience. We've talked about pride. Things like that. But he also goes and, and says, look, you know, those things are replaced when we root those out of our lives or we're vigilant to guard against them. Those things are replaced through Christ." Jesus in our lives, we're not the source, he's the source, we abide in him, but as we do, good fruit is actually produced in our lives, and we need an aroma, come on, we need an aroma, a fragrance, as the Bible says, of good fruit of authentic Christianity surrounding our lives, surrounding our church, and dare I say, surrounding our community and our nation, amen. Let's go to James chapter 2 today, James chapter 2, open your Bibles there if you can, and uh, our anchoring text passages for this morning will be verses 1 through 10. James writes, 
My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. I'm going to say that a couple different ways and then we'll continue reading uh, other translations. He says, don't hold the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning, don't walk in your faith and display it outwardly with partiality. You could say that another way with discrimination or you could say it another way with prejudices. Okay. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel... And then there should also come in a man who's poor with filthy clothes. And then you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place. And then you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit at my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts. Another verse, it's, another translation says, Have you not discriminated with evil intentions? Verse 5, Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? But if you have dishonored the poor man, do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, which is the law of liberty, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, then you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and you do well. But if you show partiality, say it this way, if you discriminate or if you show prejudice, listen to this, this is very strong, you commit sin, and you are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in just one point, he is guilty of all. Wow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, you are so gracious to us. We are undeserving of your grace and your mercies. And nevertheless, we are so grateful that through the blood of Jesus Christ, you invite us into them. We ask that you would speak to us today. God, we say, speak. Your servants are listening. We, we invite you. We yield to you to peer into any of the unhealthy places in our lives or in our hearts and sift us with your word. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that with man there can be no type of work performed, no success in this, but Holy Spirit, through your anointing and through your working, we know that these things are very possible. And we're asking for such things today. I pray that you would speak through me, God, that you would anoint me to preach your truth. And once again, there is no way that I could stand in your pulpit, God, and speak to people in a way that would bring any kind of life transformation if it weren't for the anointing of your spirit upon me. And so I yield to you and I confess my total dependency upon you right now, Lord. Use me. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 All right. Well, today, you probably figured it out. We are going to talk about prejudice. Prejudices or partiality. James opens up in this section here, and he basically says, 
Look, we are to show the love of God to all peoples in a way that is without prejudice or in a way that is without partiality. And then he says in verse 9, I know I said, you know, pay attention to this. You've probably caught this. He says, if you show partiality or you have any kind of prejudice, then you commit a sin. I think we should hear that. We need to know that, right? Because sometimes uh, when believers think they're walking the walk, they are maybe just a little blinded to some of their own sin in their own lives. They, they recognize other maybe more glaring sins in other people's lives or even in culture, but a lot of times they're not able to see or recognize what we might kind of humanly look at and say, well, those are some little sins, right? There is no little sin with God. Sin is sin. And so James is making a really clear point, which is a great point in the context of this. He's like, look, this is sin just like any other sin. Prejudice, partiality, if you're doing this, if, if you're treating people this way, then you are erring and you need to be dealt with. We need to let God examine our lives. And so the, the word partiality and prejudice is used interchangeably many times in Scripture, and especially in the New Testament. The word prejudice means, the Greek word for that is, is prokrima, and it's by combining two words, pre and krinos, which pre, are pro. Pro means before, and krinos means to judge. So it means to have a prejudgment of something, a preconceived opinion that has been formed the Oxford Dictionary says that it's a preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. Wow. So let me just ask you a question before you, we go on. And it's really quiet in here right now. Do we all or have we all done this before? Yes. Okay. Everybody breathe. We're all in the same boat, right? Sometimes we hear that word prejudice and our mind goes to certain things, but you're going to see today that this word is very, uh, it, it encompasses a lot of things. We can form prejudices, preconceived opinions, judgments about people, people groups, things um, all across the board. And what James is getting at is that like, if you do that, it's going to be really hard for you to show the love of God authentically. Because you're going to gravitate to certain places where you do that and away from other places where you don't. Does that make sense? That's what, that's what prejudices can do. So uh, he, he says in these verses, he says this prejudice or partiality, it can kind of express itself in two different ways. And the, the one way that it can express itself is through like a devaluing or, or degrading treatment of another person. But the other way that a prejudice can express itself through our lives is an unhealthy, uh, almost like sucking up or unhealthy esteeming of people based on certain conditions that are formed by prejudice as well. And we're going to peel through both of those today. Okay, so point number one if you're taking notes here, is don't belittle. Don't 
be little. Which can also mean disparage, denigrate, or devalue. So what the audience that James is addressing is guilty of doing, like clearly this was, would have been happening for him to write about it, this specifically, he said there's, there are people uh, who are coming into the assembly and you know they're not dressed well. Maybe, they're, maybe they don't have a lot of money. Maybe they're poor. And so they're not wearing these fancy garments and, and outer layers of clothing. And what they're doing is they are mistreating or devaluing those people. The way that was expressing itself in their assembly is that they would, they would make them sit in seating areas or places that were considered to be very less than um, or esteemed very lightly. Look, you're, you're not worthy of sitting in certain places, so you're going to sit in other places. I just want to ask you to think about this. Can you imagine how that must feel, right, to a person who is coming into an assembly that probably, by most thoughts and intentions, would have been invited because there's something good and hopeful going on here. Now, I want you to think about that in terms of even church today, right? You know how hard it is? I know this from talking to a lot of people, and you might be able to relate to this in your own experience, but trust me, there are a lot of people that this is the case for. Um, it is very hard for them, a lot of people, who are suffering with guilt, self-condemnation. Basically, they're walking in darkness, and so the enemy is just having his way. They have a very difficult time stepping through the doors of the church for a first time. It's very difficult. So you got to understand that when they walk in, Satan has already built these lies around them. I'm less than. I'm not worthy. I probably don't deserve to be here. These people are so holy. You getting it? Like there's a lot of people that come in thinking that. And I just want to say for those that do, like I, I commend them, you know, like you, you've come in and you're here now. And I just say, man, I apologize for any improper representation that's ever happened to you before. And I want to acknowledge something that's so true, that's, that's truth you need to know when it comes to just not being worthy or feeling like I can't do this on my own or I'm lost here in this world. Guess what? We are all in the same boat. Every single one of us is just as in need of God's grace and mercy as the person sitting next to us. It doesn't matter what kind of clothing we're wearing. It doesn't matter what kind of sin we've been lost and trapped in. It is, we are all in need of God's grace and his mercy every single day. Amen. Amen. And so, so they are, they're devaluing uh, these people. They're drawing assumptions about them and who they are simply by the way that they look. In this case, even the clothes that they're wearing. Now, have you ever got yourself in trouble before? Like me, I certainly have. When you've made an assumption about someone <laughs> and you move along thinking that assumption is true. You just like it's like a lens, and then you treat, you talk, you act, you 
you do things based on this assumption that actually is inherently false, and you just make a huge mess of things. Anybody else ever done that before? Right? We make these assumptions. We think we've got it figured out. We file it away. And what's unfortunate is that we, we then like rigidly adhere to these things many times. It makes me think about this funny story I read where there is this ship that's out at sea and there's a big storm that comes through and it's real hazy and foggy out and they can't see real well to navigate so they're, they're actually out at sea for a few days and they're trying to navigate their way back to port. And so the captain is out on the, on the balcony area, and he's watching and looking, going along in the fog, and all of a sudden, one of the deckmates yells up, I see a light! I see a light! And the captain looks up, and he sees that the light is heading straight for them. And meanwhile, they have lights, of course, on their ship, too. So the captain says, quick, send an urgent message to the, to the person on the other end of that light and tell them... They need to change their course 30 degrees immediately. We are on a collision course for one another. So they send the message. Then all of a sudden they get a transmission back. And that person on that signal says, you change course 30 degrees and avoid collision. So the captain gets kind of frustrated and says, once again, change course 30 degrees. Or it'll be a disaster. It comes back again. You change course 30 degrees or it's going to be a disaster. And finally the captain sends one third and final message. Says, we are almost out of time. This is the U.S. Navy battleship. One of the largest ships in the fleet. I am ordering you now. Change course to avoid disaster. And then the transmission comes back one more time and says, this is a lighthouse. Your call. (laughs) <laughs> we make assumptions about things and, and unfortunately about people and then we we hang on to them right we rigidly ad- adhere to these things and i was doing a little bit of research on just you know how prejudice plays itself out in people's lives and i found a few things very interesting This is from the Baker Encyclopedia of Psychology and Counseling. So this is like from a Christian viewpoint about psychological behavior in human beings. Uh, But he says that prejudices are often formed early in life. And they are often a result of being passed down from generation to generation. That's interesting, isn't it? He said that... uh, And that many of these prejudices or judgments end up resulting in a judgment or viewpoint of an entire type of group of people um, that is often just based on a one-off experience or a situation that might have happened that doesn't represent a whole. And then it says in there that that the, the way that a person who has prejudices filters information in the world around them and through people around them that it's actually it's not random at all that it is it is very systematic because it's programmed it's like filed away and so you know while we 
do categorize things in our lives, and, and this can be a benefit in, men, in many cases, that when it comes to categorizing or overgeneralizing people groups, that it can often result in a person um, withholding themselves from certain types of interactions that God actually wants to use to bless us and, into, and to enrich our lives through relationship. It actually can harm the entire body because it denies many people the unity and the relationships that Christ wants us to experience in the body of Christ. So these prejudices, guys, look, we often hear that, and the first place that most people's mind is going to go is like race, race, ethnicity, you know, we sometimes think about it through maybe age or gender, and of course these things can be the case, but these prejudices go way further than just that. Prejudices can be formed around people based on social status, intellectual achievements, certain kinds of wealth or prosperity, education background, ancestry, physical strength, class, certain tastes, how people look, how uh, beautiful we think they are through culture's definition, all different kinds of things, right? I mean, you, people might even say something about like a worship leader, you know, that pastor guy, those worship leaders, they're just all the same, you know, just all the same, those worship leaders. I mean, I get this a lot too, where it's like, you know, those good looking, handsome pastors, you know, they're just all <laughs> the same, all the same. <laughs> But these things can really um, affect us, right? And when we operate like this, that's what I want you to think about, is we are, we are absolutely going against the character and nature of God. The Bible makes it clear that God, there is, there is absolutely no partiality, no prejudice with God towards people. In fact, his complete absence of partiality is the whole basis for John 3.16. For God so loved the world. You understand that? When a person is devalued or they are belittled, you know, then they are, what, what, what's happening is that we are going, we are violating the very sanctity that people are created in, in the image of God. The Latin phrase for that is mago Dei, image of God. And so we don't, want to, we don't want to treat people in a way that is inconsistent with the character and nature of what we see in God. And maybe say it like this, in the way that each and every one of us, by God, have been treated and received. Right? I mean, it... it these things happen, and so we got to root them out, and we got to develop healthy patterns. But it does amaze me sometimes that we can receive from Christ His unconditional love and acceptance and approval on the basis of our faith in His Son alone, with all of our junk and all of our mess and all of our past and issues that we bring to the table. We come into the kingdom because God is totally impartial. <laughs> and then we can get into the kingdom and then turn around and lend something different to our fellow man. 
<laughs> freely we have received, and so freely we should give. Amen? Amen. You know, whether it's how people look, whether it's how people talk, whether it's what kind of job they have, I mean, just all across the board, if we develop some kind of like a superior mindset that looks down on people, I'm just telling you, we are in big trouble. That's, that's an anti-Christ type of spirit, right? Satan is an accuser, and he would love to lead people who are trying to follow God to believe that they are somehow superior or elite to other human beings around them. Wow. And then there's a denigrating or devaluing to the human nature in people that happens. See ourselves as better than based on any of these other conditions. You know what happens in, with kids too? It kind of breaks my heart, honestly. When you hear about it even in young children. Devaluing and belittling one another. When I was a kid, I remember I was probably about 10 years old. And uh, I used to get made fun of really bad for... Well, my mom had a station wagon. Anybody remember those station wagons? And this one was peach. <laughs> peach. And uh, kids would make fun of me whenever we would come up to school in the station wagon, you know. And I mean, I just got to the point where I was like, man, I just don't want to be seen in that station wagon. Like... I began to think that there was something like um, uh, of, of a lack of value or something that is, I don't know, embarrassing about a station wagon, you know, so I'd be like, man, mom, you know, can you drop me off um, up the street for the bus stop, and I'm just going to walk the rest of the way, and she'd be like, no, honey, it's raining, I'm driving you all the way down, I'd be like, oh, okay, all right, all right. And then a couple of times every now and then we would miss the bus. And so she, I'm like, let's just not go to school today. Like, let's just not, it's all good. We missed it. It's, you know, we'll get it tomorrow. And uh, she's like, no, I'm driving you to school, you know. So I'm like, oh, man, okay. So she drives us to school and the buses are all lined up on the front, you know, dropping kids off. I mean, it's like every kid in school is right there on the sidewalk at one time. And my man, she comes whipping it in. She pulls like right in between these two buses. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. It's like, bye, honey. You know, and I get out. And uh, man, I struggled with that. I mean, and, and that may seem like a small little trivial example, but th there, were, there was a period of my youth where I tried to avoid being seen in certain places or in certain ways because I thought that it meant there was something less than about me. And that was put on me because of the way I was treated by other people who had superior mentalities. And so I'm just trying to get us to see that when we treat people like that out of really what is an insecurity in our own heart and in our own lives, that we, will, we, we can put wounds and we can put hurts on people that they end up carrying for a really, really long time. I think that's why James is like, man, you guys don't even realize how much harm you're doing. Like, you don't even understand how much damage you are doing. This is, this is, this is, this is junk. We got to get rid of this and get rid of it now. This whole thing about preferred seating, about what people are wearing and 
making them sit in the back and you thinking they're less than. Like, this is not the heart or the mind of Christ. And we need to deal with that. We need to root that out of the church. Amen? Amen. People remember how you treat them. And you never know. You never know who's watching. God has a funny way through his, through his just nature of bringing things back around sometimes. <laughs> People see and hear things sometimes when we are operating inappropriately that we don't realize we're hearing and seeing, and then that ends up coming back around and causing us harm. But on the flip side of that, let me say this in encouragement. People remember how you treat them. And when you treat people right and you treat people well, it carries influence with people. And you never know how far that goes. You never know how far that extends, how much hurt they're carrying and how much your encouragement and proper treatment of that them might turn things around because it could break something off of them where they say, oh, I guess not. Well, not everybody's like that then. Amen? Amen. You know, there's a scripture in Hebrews. Many of you know this one. It says, just be mindful of how you entertain strangers. You know this one? Now, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Okay, you can, we can talk theology later, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Be careful how you treat strangers because sometimes you're entertaining angels. Amen. Wow, wow. So, you never know who's watching. Point number two, let's go to the other side. So point number one was don't belittle. That's like prejudice showing itself by degradation, devaluing, demeaning. Let's go to the other side. Point number two, don't suck up. I couldn't figure out a better way to say that. <laughs> um, so I'm like, they're going to understand that. Don't suck up. I want to read to you verse uh, 1, James chapter 2, verse 1, in the Amplified Classic Edition. This, this builds this out really good. He says, My brethren, pay no servile regard to people. Servile regard to people. Show no prejudice and no partiality. Do not attempt to hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, together with snobbery. Everybody say, don't be a snob. I love that word servile regard, or that, that phrase, servile regard. It actually means to have or show an excessive willingness to serve or please others once again, based on preconceived views and opinions. So here's the other side. They got the people coming in in rags that they're making sit in the back and they look down on, but they've got people coming in with gold rings and fancy clothes. And these are the people that they're catering to. These are the people that they're offering the preferred seats and the preferred status to try to elevate them up as to someone more than others in the congregation you feel it you see what's happening here james is like this is this is junk man this is not good and so now they're like they're also sucking up to the people who are considered nobility they're treating them different and he says uh you know servile regards like you're going way too far with this like you're going you're way overextending and how you're trying to serve and cater to your serving in preference of other people. Sure, we're supposed to serve everybody, but you know what I'm talking about, right? When you, you're going way over the line because you're viewing somebody as like superior, nobility, 
And so now it's a form of prejudice that's kind of flipped the other way, sucking up, thinking that something can come to them through that treatment of them. So uh, snob, he says, don't do it with snobbery, is a person with an exaggerated respect for a high social position or someone with wealth. Snob is a person who believes, listen to this, there is a correlation between social status and human worth. And you know, James is saying, this is a sneaky sin. Like, it's sneaky. Because it can be real subtle. And you're not even realizing that it's in your life. It can be very hidden, going along, seeing other people's glaring sin. This is, meanwhile, part of your baggage, and you don't even recognize it. It's like, but it's all sin. So until we see all sin is sin, we're not going to really deal with our sin the way we need to, right? She's a good sin. And so, snobbery can be subtle. Partiality can be subtle. I had a friend one time, no joke, he had a cat. And, I mean, his cat was a snob. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, walked around, you go to pet it, it turn its head, you know, and it's just like, only certain people that it would go up to. And I'm like, cat's a snob. Dogs are way better. Dogs are not like that, right? They love everybody. Sorry, I'm just kidding if you're a cat lover. <laughs> but I think uh, I'd like to say this. Man, here at LCX, this is a no-snob zone. This is a no-snob zone. We don't want any of that here. We don't want any elitist mentality, and we don't want any preferential treatment or anything. We want, we want everybody to see each other as equal And we want to value the uniquenesses and the diversity in each and every one of us. But we are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's the nature of family. And so this is a no snob zone. Can we we be okay with that? Let's just seal it and deliver it. All right. 1 Samuel 16. You know what it says? It says, man sees outward appearance. But God sees the heart. Mm. I want God's mind. The mind of Christ Jesus. I don't, want to, I don't want to form preconceived judgments and opinions. I'm not saying we're not observant to surroundings. You understand that would be taking this too far. We're observant to surroundings. We're wise. We're, we're looking around. But I'm saying that uh, we understand that there, God sees into the heart. We don't necessarily, we can't see into the heart. But we recognize that there's, everybody's got a story. Right? There's, there's way more to people than just what appears on the surface. You ever watch any of those shows uh, like Undercover Millionaire? I don't know what all of them there are, but you know what I'm talking about, where like you got, they got like a millionaire or the guy that owns the company or the woman that owns the company, and they like disguise themselves, and then they go into the workforce, and they act like a normal employee or maybe a dishwasher or something like that, and they're just going around, and they're just, they're just pulsing. They're just getting a pulse of the environment and where people are at, and how they're going to treat them from the position that they're in. And then all of a sudden, you know, you come to that day where it's like, okay, they come walking out in the suit, and they're like, surprise, I own the company, you know. And some people are like, man, thank God I treated people right. And then other people are like, oh, my gosh, oh, I'm fired, you know. It's like, why don't we just treat everybody the way we need to treat them and the way they should be treated, and then we're always going to be in a good place with God and with people, no matter how things shake out. I love the way Paul says this in Galatians 1.10. 
about not sucking up. He says, For I do I do I now persuade men or God? Do I sleek, do I seek to please men? Listen to this. He says, For if I was seeking to please men, then I would not be able to be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. I love that. That is so strong. That is so cutting to the point right there. If I am trying to please men, if I'm trying to suck up, if I'm trying to go way beyond in a servile nature, overextended, there's no way I can do that and be a bond servant, meaning I am, I am tethered, man, to this servant walk of Christ and humility and the way he's called me to live. There's no way I can do that and be a person who has a servile mentality towards people who I think are nobility or more than. Paul says, you can't do both. He says, if I was trying to please men, there's no way I could be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Wow. I was the only person excited about that. All right. Okay, that's cool. Point number three, live in freedom. Live in freedom. So here's why I say it that way. Live in freedom. Because absolutely, totally believe that whichever side people might lean on in prejudice, and maybe they're in both, if they are more of the belittling, like elitist, superior mentality, I'm better than, or they are, you know, I'm less than, so I need to suck up, or I need to try to, you know, treat somebody like really over the top to try to get something. Either one of those mentalities is a form of bondage. Because the person who thinks that they're an elitist and thinks that they're superior has an unhealthy view of self and an inaccurate view of God and certainly an inaccurate view of their fellow man. And that's a bondage. That's a bondage. Because you're going to begin to see the world through that lens and it's going to negatively affect everything you do. (laughs) But on the flip side, if it's somebody who thinks that they've got to suck up or they've got to treat people a certain way who maybe have more to give or more to offer, that's a form of bondage because that's a form of fear of man right there as well. And here's what really they both come down to at the root. They both come down to, I am trying to get something by way of validation or esteeming of my character or my identity. I'm trying to get something by thinking of myself as better than people or by somehow trying to get something from people who are more than. But either way, I'm trying to get something from man that God has created me to only be able to get from him which is my value, my worth, and my identity. And I say this in point three in closing, that it is to live in a place of freedom because you will never be more free than when you know your security and your identity is perfectly intact by the person of Jesus Christ and no man can ever strip it or rob you of it or take that from you. And you live free when you know that. You live free And then you are free to treat others without any form of prejudice or partiality. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Leviticus 19.15 says this. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great. But judge your neighbor fairly. 
I just wanted to point that out. Like, he says, when you, when you show partiality or prejudice, it perverts justice. You, you can't have pure judgment <laughs> if you're operating with prejudice. This can happen in government, social sectors of society, many, many places. But I think you're hearing me today. I do. I think you're hearing what I'm saying, what's with the burden that's on my heart, is that we're the people of God. And he's welcomed us into the kingdom. I mean, you understand our salvation is a definitive outworking of his impartiality. I hope you get that. I was with the Lord this week. It was just a time of just some prayer, just me and the Lord. And it was one of those moments where just, you know, intimate with God and his presence, just his manifest presence was tangible, it was heightened. And I just, just worship and praying. And, of course, thinking about this message too. And I just had this thought. I think the Lord allowed me to see this. Is like in his presence near to him and close to him. I was just so aware of how impartial he is. I was just so aware because he's just so holy and he's so perfect. And I'm this wretch of a man, you know, with this baggage of a past and all these things. And yet I'm here in this close, near presence to our holy God. And I'm like, that could never happen if he was partial. I wouldn't even be here if he had a prejudice towards me. My sin, my past, no way. I don't qualify for this. But praise God, through the eyes of Christ and through his abundant love and grace, I'm so thankful that I don't qualify based on my past. That we qualify based on one thing alone. And that is the fully atoning, fully effective blood of Jesus Christ that washes us clean. Amen. Amen. And so I say, last time, as we freely received, man, let's freely give. Let's freely give. And we pray today on all sides of this, like, have you been hurt? Have you been wounded? Has somebody treated you? Have, you? have you been the object of unfair, harsh treatment, partiality, or prejudice? And is there maybe a wound in your soul that needs to be healed? Because if you got that wound, it's going to be hard for you to go forward in the purposes God has for you without operating from a place of woundedness. But the Bible says God mends us. He heals us. It's not just our bodies. He wants to heal your soul. Have you been wounded? Have you been wounded? And then the other question, it would be only fitting that I would ask this. Have I wounded somebody? Have I treated someone else from a place of prejudice? Have I form preconceived views of certain people based on things that happened to me or things that I've just made judgments about. 
And do I need to ask the Lord to forgive me of that?